Who's ready for some drawsome? Drawsome! Woo! I brought my pencil. Give me something to write on, man. <laughs> hey, do you guys know any Van Halen? Van Halen. Van Halen. Van Halen. Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. We need Eddie Van Halen. Deputy Van Halen. Deputy Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen. Van Halen. Van Halen. Van Halen, not Van Hagar. I just saw Eddie Van Halen. Wow, Van Halen. Who else? Hey, Sonny. Uh, what? I live my life like there's no tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> Everything I had, I had to steal, baby. What's going on, man? You know, if you had Sammy money, you wouldn't have to steal it. You could just buy it. If I had any kind of Van Halen money, I wouldn't have to uh, <laughs> steal anything. I could just buy it. So we're here for round two of our month-long Van Halen tribute to Edward Van Halen, the music of Van Halen. And tonight's theme is all about ranking Van Halen singles. Is that right? Are these all singles that we're talking about tonight? Yeah, they're not all the singles. I just picked 10 from each. I tried to pick songs that most folks knew, but I wanted to get an idea of, you know, you don't really know what they love or hate. Like if they had to rank them between each other. And we'll talk about how the rankings happened and what I told people, what I wrote to them. But, you know, all Van Halen, most Van Halen is good. Let's just say what it is. And there's a lot of singles. So if we were going to rank all 30, 40 some odd singles, it would have took all day. So I just took kind of 10 DLR ones and 10 Sammy ones and said, all right, guys, rank this. I got a bunch of feedback saying, you forgot this song. You forgot that song. Some of those were singles. Some of those weren't singles. That's okay. You're right. I forgot them. <laughs> I got to be honest. A lot of the songs on tonight's list, I had no idea were singles. So oh, yeah. it's a little bit of a surprise to me, but I know them well. But before we get too far into all that, have you heard the new Wolfman Halen song? Wolfman? <laughs> I said Wolf, Wolf Van Halen is what I said. <laughs> <laughs> we got to close it out. That's it for the Wolfman Jack Show for tonight. Be back again tomorrow night. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Gonna suck it to you tomorrow, baby. I heard Wolfman. Yes, I have. Uh, my take on it. Yeah. The video must have been a bitch to make. Like that That video watching it. If you don't like tear up a little bit, probably not human, putting it together, I could only imagine. Yeah. The song was okay. I wish the song was written by like one of these really good balladeers type of, you know, the, the guys that can really bring the emotion out. Like it needed a Janie Lane, like really storytelling type of style of writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the song was okay. But the video was <laughs> heart wrenching. There's no way I can watch the video twice. Like so let's let's put it that way. I, so I watched it for the second time today, man. It it is heart wrenching. Yeah. What makes it heart wrenching is the phone message at the end. Yeah. Is really yeah. really rough, and some of the audio that happens throughout the video is pretty rough. 
and you know, I, I feel for for the kid, right? I feel for yeah. for Wolfie because I think this is how he's dealing with it, but I think it's hitting him fairly hard. I think the song is decent. So I knew that his style of music was not gonna be hard rock from yeah. some of the episodes that he's done and some of the interviews he's done. I think that his music is gonna be completely different than Van Halen. That's okay. I have no problem with that. I think the song itself reminds me personally of like a Daughtry type song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and again, I think it's good. I think he played everything on the song, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, which is, I mean, that's pretty good talent and he sings pretty well. That whole phone message thing, I don't know if you know this, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, mm-hmm. he had promised his mom at one point that he would go back to college and finish. So he finished on University of Phoenix. She died before he finished so there was this whole piece, there was this whole commercial where when he finished, he called his mom's number, heard her voice on the answer machine, and left her a message that he had gotten done. Like, I'm getting goosebumps wow. just telling you. Like, that kind of shit yeah. is like, all that stuff's real, right? Yeah. There's nothing, but just saying it out loud gave me goosebumps. Yeah. I am enjoying covering this music this entire month because it's given me the opportunity to obviously go back and listen to some of the songs. These are all songs that I know very well. It's just a matter of re-listening to them because maybe some of them I haven't heard in a while. And (laughs) I got to tell you, I cheated just a little bit today and looked at the uh, sheet for tonight's show and saw where some of our rankings were going to end up. And I was like, did I really rank that there? (laughs) Damn. So I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit. But again, when we rank a lot of this shit, it's kind of all at the spur of the moment. And it's uh, it's geared. uh, You know, we'll be able to get into it and we'll talk about why we ranked something, where we ranked it and all that other stuff. But, you know, before we do all that, you know our motto, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. Tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from a band that we played before on the Spotlight Features, and it's a band called 99 Crimes. 99 Crimes has a new record coming out, and this band consists of lead vocalist and guitarist Paul Lydell. Paul Lydell spent time in Dangerous Toys. He's also spent time with Dirty Looks bassist Jeff Lynn and drummer Chris Jordan. And so they've released this new song called Chasing the Dragon. Have a listen, and we'll tell you what we think afterwards. Hey, this is Paul Lydell from 99 Crimes, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen in Hollywood. Crank that shit up!
So the last album, which I guess is the first album, I really liked because it had some dangerous toys to it. It was uh, kind of felt like Southern melodic rock, if that makes sense. Like, kind of fun, right? Like a Lord Tracy, Dangerous Toys. It's all kind of this like fun Southern party rock. Yep. This was like heavy metal. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell happened to 99 Crimes? <laughs> like this one was okay. It's just like, uh, that's not what I was looking forward to. It's funny you say that because that was my exact thought. When I played this song, I said the same thing. I was kind of like, uh, this is a lot heavier than what I remember them being. Uh, and then I went back and I listened to some of the first record and I said, no, I'm not crazy. This is much darker, much heavier than what was previously happening. I'm with you. The song's okay. I mean, I, I prefer the older style of stuff and I'll leave it at that till I hear the rest of the record. But Chasing the Dragon, 99 Crimes, new record on its way. So check it out. Let us know what you think. If you haven't heard the first record, go back and listen to that because like Sonny said, there's some pretty good shit on that uh, that last record. Okay, so getting to our episode... So here is the email that I sent our listeners and wanted, you know, to send them a survey. We do that every once in a while because sometimes it's fun, like getting a bunch of people's opinion and then kind of measuring it against ours. And it, you know, throws some nerd numbers in there, which, you know, I'm always a numbers guy. So the email I sent, since we are all huge Van Halen fans at Grown Up Rock Podcast, just like you, we're saddened with Eddie Van Halen's passing. To pay tribute, we're doing some Van Halen inspired episodes in the coming weeks. We would love to have you involved. Just simply rank the 20 songs below your favorite to least favorite. Feel free to comment as why you rank them the way you did if you wish. We split David Lee Roth and Sammy so you don't have to declare your favorite singer or frontman. It's all about Eddie right now, not the DLR Sammy debate, right? So that way I didn't get somebody sends the bottom 10's all Sammy, top 10's all Dave, you know, that kind of thing. Like there's no reason to go there. So why go there, right? Because like an idiot, I started to go there originally. So yeah, when, when, yeah. You, when you first sent me this thing, I ranked all the songs because I didn't know we were separating them. So I started ranking all the songs and I had the list probably 75% done at the time. And then I think you sent out another uh, note to everybody kind of reminding them or whatever. And, yeah. And then you actually read the email. Yeah. And then I actually read, uh, and in this case, got my wife to read it to me because, I mean, for God's sakes, we all know I can't read past a uh, third grade level. <laughs> and, so, and so I did that and uh, it made it much easier. Like it was way easier for me to do it then because just easy to separate it out for me. And it, and to my credit, to, and to be fair, all the Sammy stuff was not ranked last because there are some of these Sammy yeah. songs on this list that I like quite a bit. So we'll get into that. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So then the 10 Dave songs that I asked everybody to rank was Running With The Devil, Ain't Talking About Love, Dance The Night Away, Beautiful Girls, and The Cradle Will Rock, Unchained Jump, I'll Wait, Panama, Hot For Teacher. And then the Sammy songs I asked everybody to rank was Why Can't This Be Love, Dreams, Love Walks In. Black and Blue, When It's Love, Finish What You Started, Pound Cake, Top of the World, Right Now, in Amsterdam. All singles. I got a bunch of feedback. 
You forgot 5150. That's my favorite. <laughs> you forgot human being. Humans being. That's my favorite. Like three people said that. I was like, what the hell? How can you not have everybody want some? Like throw away. I'll wait. Let's do everybody wants. It's like, okay, I get it. Just rank the 10, a hundred over a hundred people answered the survey. Okay. So I'm just going to say it's a hundred because the numbers are easier to do when we just say it's a hundred. Okay. I'm a little pissed that there's no, what is it? Fire in the hole or fire in the oh, sky. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Van Allen. <laughs> fire three. in the hole. Fire yeah, in the yeah, hole. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we are going to talk Sammy era first. When I asked everybody to rank them one to 10, then you can take the hundred rankings that you get and average out the score, right? So you're going to get a score somewhere between one and 10 on the average. And our number 10 song came in at an average of 8.62. And it was a solidified number 10. There was no doubt it was number 10. It was also my number 10. It was your number two. <laughs> there was not a single person out of the hundred that ranked it as their number one. But 56 out of the 100 ranked it as number 10. <laughs> it did not land on the Billboard 100, and it was number nine on the Billboard rock charts. You know, we know that Eddie and Alex hated the lyrics, right? Eddie has said himself, I felt disrespected about the marijuana take of our homeland, right? I wasn't sober before. I wasn't even listening to the lyrics. It's not like I suddenly wanted Sammy to be my puppet or anything. But every once in a while, I would take issue with a specific lyric or line. For example, I always hated the words wham, bam, Amsterdam from balance because they were all about smoking pot and they were just stupid. Lyrics should plant some sort of seed for thought or at least a little, be a little more metaphorical. So I get it, right? Sammy is who he is. If Eddie ain't going to say anything for what, four albums and then all of a sudden have opinions on what it should be, right? And I, so it just depends on, I guess, what you believe. MTV wouldn't play the video because I guess the marijuana part of the lyrics, uh, they didn't like, and they wanted it changed. Van Halen changed them. They still didn't play the video, but you can sing about killing cops, gangster rap and all that stuff was all over MTV. And nobody gave a shit. <laughs> so I don't exactly know why that was the comments about Amsterdam. I think I like this because the lyrics are something kiss like, okay. Wham, bam, Amsterdam's very Paul Stanley. And some people said, you know, they weren't a huge fan of the song. Number two, dude, I don't know if it'd be number two out of these 10 songs. That's a little rough. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm not sure what I was thinking at number two, <laughs> but here's what I will say about this song. So I think probably out of this entire list, most likely this is the least known tune because it's off of balance and people don't know balance I mean, they really don't. They don't know balance very well. So when I went back, this is one of those songs I went back to and listened to. I was like, you know, I really dig this tune. It's catchy. It's hooky. And you're going to hear this from me several times tonight. But I think the hook and the background vocals in this song really do it for me personally. And that's a theme in a lot of these tunes, not just the Sammy era ones, but the Dave era ones as well. And so I like this tune. I mean, you know, the whole thing with deep lyrics and all that shit. Come on, Ed. I mean, <laughs> come on, dude. There's a lot of stuff throughout Van Halen history that is not deep. Now, what I will say is that Sammy is a little more black and white as opposed to Dave because Dave is metaphorical, right? Dave's yeah. lyrics are 
I think criminally underrated a lot of times in how he puts that shit together. And that's something that actually I didn't realize till much later in their history. But I like Amsterdam. Number two, yeah, probably jumped the gun and pulled the trigger a little quick on that. That's a little much, but uh, yeah, I like that tune. I don't think it's a number 10 tune out of all this stuff, and that's going to be primarily because of the whole ballad thing for me. But yeah. Light them up! Look across through the window 
number nine came out to be top of the world from F-U-C-K. The average score was a 6.14. So Amsterdam was at 8.62. So like Amsterdam was a solid 10 for everybody. Now, what was interesting here is I ranked it six. You ranked it three. A lot of people just were kind of middle of the road on this song because only two out of the hundred ranked it as number one and only two out of the hundred ranked it as number 10. So it was kind of just, you know, in the middle there somewhere. Now, this was the single that actually did the best on Billboard 100. It was the only one to craft the top 40 from F-U-C-K. And it was number one on the rock chart. So it borrows that little guitar part, you know, from the end of Jump, which that's not all bad. I really liked the song. There was, you know, there was some people kind of talking about like just that first 20 seconds, bam, that got them, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's a catchy tune to me. Yeah, what does it for me with this song and why I ranked it so high, and I'll stand by my number three rating in this song, this song makes me happy, man. It's happy chord structure. It's a positive theme. It feels good to me. Standing on top of the world feels good to me, and I like the whole feel of the song. So uh, I stand by it. It's a good tune, man. Coming in at number eight was Love Walks In from 5150. Came out at a at an average score of 5.98. Now, what's interesting is it was overall eight. I ranked it eight. You ranked it eight. Eight percent of the people ranked it number 10. So there was a lot of eights yeah. on this thing. Nobody super loved the song because nobody ranked it number one. It did hit the Billboard 100 at number 22, and it was number four on the rock charts. And supposedly this was the first song Van Hagar wrote together. Now, I don't know why you would write a song about aliens. I don't exactly know why. So whatever. Some people were talking about this was their favorite Van Hagar ballad because of the bass line with the verses, etc. I think it's a great song. I think there's better songs on this list. Agreed. Obviously, we're, we're in sync with the ranking of this tune. Yeah. Number seven, <laughs> Black and Blue from OU812. So 5.82 on the average scale. I ranked it number nine. You ranked it number six, so close enough. There was six out of the hundred people that ranked it as their number one song. Four out of 100 people ranked it as their last song. It got to number 34 on the Billboard 100. It got number one on the rock charts. Now, what's interesting here is this song's always kind of been like crunchy blues to me. It was the first single, but there was no video in 1988. Like, that's surprising to me. You know, forget about that there's no bass line because you can't hear the bass at all. The last 45 seconds to me are completely worthless. The chorus does kind of kind of sticks with you. It's one of those songs you hum at work and, you know, summer, so what you humming? It's like, well, can't really say do it to me till you're black and blue. I'm just humming a song. That's, you know, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Bitch sure got the rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a nasty groove. I mean, I like it. It's uh, dirty. It's sexy. I mean, the lyrics, <laughs> again, Sammy's black or white and there's no, uh, he's not trying to sugarcoat anything. So the lyrics are, a bit third grade, I guess, but you know, I dig the tune. The next one, there was comments about it's by far the best Sammy song. Wish it was on that live album right here, right now. Some folks said, you know, killer riff, great riff on the verses. It's classic Van Halen. So people really like finish what you started from OU812 came out at 5.62 on the Richter scale there. It was my number two favorite song on this. You were dead center at number five. 12 out of the 100 said it was their number one song. Eight out of the 100 said it was their number 10 song. It got to number 13 on the Billboard 100 and was number two on the rock charts. I love the story around this song, you know, the sexual frustration piece and this whole thing about Eddie gets kicked out 
Valerie kicks him to the curb for a second. He goes next door. Sammy lives there. He's shirtless. He's got his acoustic guitar, bottle of hooch, starts knocking on the door. Sammy's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going outside to drink with this dude. And they kind of write it on the porch or however that story goes. I think the video is pretty simple. Uh, it's kind of interesting that Sammy's doing a lot of kicking for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> um, you know, the glasses, the funky hat. He's got a little bit of the interesting uh, flavor flavor thing going on and the you know i don't know if i need the bare chest but i don't need that from kip winger either it works i'll tell you the last time i saw sammy they did this as an acoustic number as the final encore and my god that place was like you could hear a pin drop because it was so good and this thing acoustic sounds so great i've always loved this song yeah, I like Finish What You Started quite a bit as well. You know, for whatever reason, and maybe it's because they were both off of OU812, but I kind of view Finish What You Started and Cabo Wabo as brother-sister songs. They have a similar flavor, a similar vibe to them, and uh, that's the way I always viewed both of those songs, which I also like Cabo Wabo, so... Now, most people don't agree with me, according to this survey. When It's Love, OU812 came in at number five. The average score was 5.5. It was my number one song on Sammy's list. It was your number seven. Six people out of the hundred agreed with me. Two people out of the hundred said it was terrible. It got to number five on the Billboard 100. It got to number one on the rock charts. And to me, it's one of the best rock songs ever written. I mean, it's perfect in every way. The lyrics, what the meaning is behind the lyrics, because you don't technically know when it's love. Like if somebody was to ask you, what was the conversation when you weren't in love with Jen? And what was the next thing said that made you fall in love with Jen? You can't take it to one place. It's a combination of a lot of little things. So you never really know. So when until you have to explain it to your son or your daughter that love is X, you don't really know that you have no idea what it is and you don't know when it happens and that's why i love this song so much i loved sammy's red suit on that on the video man i think it pops and i can just imagine the record company's like we got a winner this is a number one hit because you can hear it from the minute you listen to it what's love for me is just watching and listening to sunny wax philosophical about when it's love <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, there's a tear in this guy's eye. I'm watching him on video when he explains it. Well, the first thing is, is that this is a rock podcast and you ranked a ballad as the number one song. So settle down there, Poonie. Uh, now, listen, there's no songs on this list that are hate songs. I think all of them are quality songs in their own way. They're, there's probably one song on total out of both of these lists that I'm hate's a strong word. I don't hate it, but I'm like really, uh, uh, and we'll get to there, uh, when we get to there. But, uh, for this particular song, I think it's a good ballad. It's number seven for me because it's a ballad <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. But I think it's a quality, uh, song. Yeah. Number four comes off of F U C K right now at 4.94 on an average. I had it at five, you had it at four, so we were right there. 16 out of the 100 had it at number one. 12 out of the 100 had it at number 10. Very surprised this only got to number 55 on the Billboard 100 because the video was literally on every 13 minutes. Mm -hmm. I cannot, I did that research like four times over. I couldn't believe it. Uh, went to number two on the rock charts, so that makes sense. Just the message, the video, and you know, 
here's an idea. I know you got to time it, right? But if Wolfie was to get together with Michael, Sammy, and Alex, go redo this song, acoustic, even if you wanted to, and then donate all the money you get from it to throat cancer research, right? Like Mm -hmm. that could really kind of just bring it all together. I don't know if you can get Dave involved or not. Maybe he would do part of it. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. But some of the comments I got, it's like, right now, I want a Pepsi, John Clark, <laughs> right? Because it does make sense, right? And yeah. George Blandran, I think is how you say it, but I'm going to say George B from now on. He says he always sees the video in his head when, he's, when he hears the song, even if he's just driving around. I hope you're not hitting cars when you're doing that. But, <laughs> you know, even for like Nicole, she's not a huge rock fan. Right. She absolutely loves this song. There is something that connects everybody, and that's why I think – if you time it right, you could probably make some money for cancer research. Yeah, I think this song is synonymous with the video itself. To me, the video really tied this song together. I like the song without the video, but when you see the video with this music, I don't know if you know this, but on that Wolfie song that he released that was a tribute to his dad, he's taken the money from that and given it to what his dad's favorite charity was, which is yeah, to bring yeah. instruments into schools. You know that? Yeah, yeah. So I think that you're onto something with them doing right now and doing all the proceeds to cancer would be great. But I also know that probably pardon the pun right now, Wolfie probably wants to stay as far away from the business of Van Halen as possible. Because, you know, I don't know if you saw or heard any of his interview on Howard Stern, but, you know, he squashed all the rumors that were floating around about him doing guitar and going out with Van Halen again and all that stuff. He squashed all that and just said, you know, that's that's never going to happen. Van Halen is basically done as a band. You can't have Van Halen without his dad. So, yeah. That'd be cool, though. I'd like to see that. Yeah. If not now, you know, maybe a couple of years down the road when some of this stuff is uh, smoothed out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Number three on our ranking was Pound Cake from F-U-C-K. It averaged out at 4.36. I had Pound Cake at number seven. You had it at number one. And then I, I read some of the comments about it's probably one of the songs that's closest to what Dave could have done. Like, there's not many songs on the Sammy list that could have been done by Dave or could have been in the Dave era. And this is one of them. So 18% of the people agreed with you. They liked it as their best song too. And really only two people absolutely hated it and had it at number 10. It never hit the billboard 100. It got to number one on the rock charts. I remember when I first heard the power drill, I'm like, wait a second, Paul Gilbert already did that. Like, why are you doing Paul Gilbert stuff?
I really think the video was cool. You just didn't see it that much. Like you can find it on YouTube. The video is okay. I don't know why MTV didn't really play it much. And the other part about for un unlawful carnal knowledge is it's possible that when these singles came out, that there was so much other music that was hitting the billboard 100 that maybe these singles got lost a little bit in the shuffle. Rock guys loved it, but there was other songs and other types of music that was coming to the forefront. And this is how Van Halen was losing by not having top 40 hits, I guess. You know, I got to be honest. The F.E.C.K. record is probably the record that bought me back into the Van Halen fold and allowed me to say, okay, Sammy's okay. It's okay for me to enjoy both camps. Because I told you when 5150 came out, I didn't care. I was brokenhearted about Dave and I hated Sammy. So it took time for that to wear off and, and me to mature. And I really, really like the F-U-C-K record. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on there that I really dig. I'm with you. Hey, F-U-C-K, tell her I love her. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, nice. laughs> <laughs> All right. Our number two was from 5150, Why Can't This Be Love? It averaged out at a 4.26. I had it as my number three. You had it as your number 10 because you hate ballads. But that tells you when everybody else has it as an average of number two, maybe you should start liking ballads because your listeners actually like ballads. 14 out of the 100 had it at their number one. Four out of 100 had it at their number 10. It hit number three on the Billboard 100, and it was number one on the rock charts. And this is what started all the Van Hagar hate, right? It was a lead single. It was a great video. I love the straight jacket picture on the single. I think it's great because it reminds me of the Dynasty straight jackets. Like it's, I don't know, the straight jacket look for some reason for a rock band just looks cool when the guys have kind of crazy looks and crazy hair. And these four were pretty nuts at this time. It's just the ballad thing that gets you. Plus, you know, your favorite band broke up. Well, it's a little bit more than that. So here's what it is about this song. I was trying to pinpoint exactly what it was about this song that really bothered me. Yeah, the, the ballad thing. But what I really don't like is that keyboard sound at the beginning. It almost sounds like it should be a kazoo solo. I mean, it's you know which you know which part I'm talking about, right? The yeah, yeah, I just yeah. I really don't like that sound. It irritates me and I don't know. I just don't love this song. <laughs> and number one in our hearts, but number nine in yours was Dreams off of 5150. It averaged out at 3.76. So it was a solid number one for everybody involved. I had it at number four. 26 out of our 100 folks had it at number one. 
There was two people that basically agreed with you and put it dead last. Got to number 22 on the Billboard 100, got to number six on the rock charts. I love the story behind this because it was their sing- second single. It was a great video. But Mick Jones had said that he was pushing Sammy so hard to sing higher that he was hyperventilating and almost passed out. And I can imagine. But the Blue Angels video, there was a lot of people commenting about that. It's just they immediately connected to that video. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's something about MTV that really helped Van Halen get to the next level. And it started with 84 and then kind of put him to a different level when the videos came out, right? Yeah, I think this song for me is uh, more fatigue than anything. That's kind of my feeling on that. Uh, So some general comments on Sammy. Mike Williams said, you left off Human Being. Phenomenal song. I won't tell you who put this, but it was Love Walks In is Dumb, Black and Blue is Awful, When It's Love is Terrible, Finish What You Start is an Atrocity. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Nice. Ivan Gilsick says Summer Nights would have been his number one on the list if it would have been there. Scott Leifer said this was very tough, but 5150 was his favorite Van Hagar song. I won't say who said this, but they said, do I have to rank the Van Hagar songs? Uh, Somebody said, never been a big fan of Van Hagar. Uh, Like his rum, though. Um, and then Eric Miller said 5150 was his favorite Van Hagar song. So um, <laughs> somebody said the Hagar era is serving tofu burgers and wine in a box. Everyone has a designated tree they have to hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know why you can't love both. I think there's so much good quality stuff and you're depriving yourself if you're stuck with one or the other. And again, it is all about Eddie yeah. with this whole tribute stuff. And the music for me is consistent in one way or another. Edward, you know, yes, he ventured down the keyboard trail, but there's still rocking stuff. There's a lot of great rocking stuff on 5150 guitar at full speed. So I get it. I understand it, but I don't buy to it anymore. <laughs> Some other general comments about uh, Van Halen that we got, and then we'll get to the Dave list. Uh, Neil Spears said, uh, should have had Summer Nights, Cabo Wabo, and Top Jimmy on the list. Love those songs. Uh, Curtis Shaver said, love Ice Cream Man and Get Up. It's badass, complex guitar work. Bill Elam said, this by no means would be my top 10. He would have left like Jump and I'll Wait and Running with the Devil off. Uh, He would have left When It's Love, Dreams, and uh, Love Walks In off. He wanted stuff like Center Swing and Big Fat Money and that kind of stuff. So he obviously loves a little more funky, choppy guitar instead of those polished songs. That's obvious. Well, here's the good news for all those people that are calling that out. Obviously, this was about Van Halen's singles from both Sammy and Dave eras. But some of the songs that I'm hearing people's love for is a wonderful thing because there's a lot of great deep tracks out there. And at the end of all of this tribute stuff at the end of December, Sonny and I are going to do a top 10 deep Van Halen cuts where we're going to pick our favorite deeper cuts. So you're not going to get dreams or jump or anything on those lists. You'll get deeper stuff. And then we can discuss why we left off human beings and top Jimmy and whatever else is floating people's boats. Yeah. A couple other comments. Our buddy Murph danced the night away. I asked that to be played at my wedding. He didn't say it got played at his wedding. He said he asked. So I don't actually know if it got played. 
He said he loved Panama because he had a crush on a girl named Pamela in 84. So it was a sign to him that it was meant to be. I don't know what Pamela has to do with Panama. And then he reminded us that he was only 11 years old at the time. I think any girl you would have thought was meant to be, to be honest with you. Well, the first problem is, is that you asked for something to be played at your wedding. <laughs> I told my wedding DJ, I, I handed him the list and I said, here's what you're playing. I mean, literally, I handed him a list and said, you're going to play everything on this list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Zeus had said, uh, you know, he wished feel so good summer nights inside. Where have all good times gone? So this is love and drop dead legs was on the list because those are some of his favorite songs. You might see those later. I thought Joel Hoffman had a pretty good thing here. Just hang with me. I won't explain every song to you, but I'm a 51 year old man. Me too. Van Halen has literally been the soundtrack of my life through hanging out with friends, parties, girlfriends, etc. They truly are in my mind, the greatest American rock band ever. Although I'm a DLR Van Halen fan through and through, there are some great Sammy Van Halen songs, which are more heartfelt, spiritual, and meaningful. It was just a different era of the band. EVH was a great innovator, technician, and brilliant genius in my opinion, and he is the greatest of all time for what he did for a generation and changing the way that people play guitar up to this date. And then he gave us his ranking. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like I think that there's a lot of these people that did these surveys that had comments similar to Joel's. And there was, you know, all these tributes that are happening out there for Eddie. Like Jeff said, it's, you don't know the guy, but he's like a part of your life. Mm -hmm. So a little part of you kind of goes with him too. Joel's letter there uh, nailed it for me. I mean, that's exact uh, what I would say in terms of describing both the David Lee Roth and the Sammy era and, you know, really nice thing to say about Edward. And I feel exactly the same way. I mean, there's so much great music there, whether you want a party or whether you want something a little bit more spiritual and heartfelt, it's all there. You just have to find it uh, in those 12 albums. The only thing Joel didn't say right for you is he said he was 51, not 61. <laughs> I'm not 61 either, a-hole. <laughs> I still got time. I got time, baby. I got time. I'm not there yet. All right, so we're going to take a second out from this lovely Van Halen ranking and just uh, talk about the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. We talk about it often. If you're a Facebook user, come over to the Loud Minority Facebook group. It's called Growing Up Rock's Loud Minority Facebook group. We talk about the podcast. We talk about themes that we got going on. We talk about songs that we've played, things like that. We share concerts, information, whatever's going on in terms of music and entertainment. That's what we're talking about. We got a whole bunch of folks in there now, and it's a really good group of people because for the most part, it's pretty much all positive. We don't have a lot of, you know, ah, this sucks or that sucks and uh, no politics, crap like that. It's a private Facebook group. You just have to ask to join. We'll let you in. And we start talking about music. So it's a really good conversation. I encourage people to come on over to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. 
or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So talking David Lee Roth, what's interesting about the rankings on the David Lee Roth songs is there's 10 songs and there is a solid bottom five and there is a solid top five. Like there was a split down the middle when the average score comes in. And number 10 on our list is from 1984, I'll Wait. It uh, averaged out as 7.48. I ranked it fourth. Stephen ranked it ninth. Uh, four out of the hundred said it was their favorite song, but 28 out of the hundred said it was not their favorite song on this list. It got to number 13 on the Billboard 100 and it got to number two on the rock charts. Now, here's my opinion. I'm not sure people would agree with this. It was a second single. There was no video. I think no video stalls it on the chart immediately. I know Van Halen fans are going to hate this, but if there would have been a featuring Michael McDonald of some sort, you people are dynamite. Michael McDonald was big on the charts in the mid eighties. This song could have went possibly number one. If you just put that featuring Michael McDonald on there, I know in 2020, it's like, are you kidding me? Blah, blah, blah. Dude, go back to 1984. And I think it would have helped. Now, that being said, there was some folks that asked me why the hell's on this list. I didn't want to rank this song at all. And then like John Clark said, after reading the Carrie Stevens book, this song reminds me of her with that in mind, it probably should have been higher on my list. Why would you wait for Carrie Stevens? John, that's not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, this is a song that brings back a lot of memories for me in my late high school year and just, I don't know, this is sort of what the first ballad for Van Halen kind of, I mean, really, I mean, they didn't really have any ballads. I don't know that I'll wait as a ballad, but no, uh, it's their, I guess, closest interpretation from the David Lee Roth era. It's okay. song. I don't have any problem with the song. I ranked it number nine because it is sort of a ballad, and out of this list of Dave tunes, it's definitely not above the rest of this stuff. So, But it's not a bad song, I don't think. Number nine is also from 1984, Jump. It averaged out to 7.06. We both had it at number 10. My guess is fatigue factor for you, too. Two out of the 100 said it was their number one song. 22 out of the 100 had it at number 10, and it's been their most successful single in history, went number one on the Billboard 100 and number one on the Billboard rock charts. I think the heavy keyboards just kind of rub some people the wrong way. I will tell you, folks like George B. said, I totally like the music direction change by Eddie and it shows that he had balls of steel. To me, it's just, it's a little kitschy. It was fine the first 500 times. It's the next 10,000 that I had a problem with, to be honest. I can remember... New Year's Eve gathered around the TV set with a buddy of mine at his house waiting for the world premiere of the new Van Halen video jump off the upcoming record 1984. They world premiered this video on New Year's Eve on MTV. I remember specifically. And I was a huge Van Halen fan at the time, so I was psyched. And you didn't hear the song before. I mean, I think the video, my recollection is the video was the first time you heard the song. It wasn't like today where you hear it everywhere and see it, all that stuff. So 
I remember it coming out and I remember going, uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, the video is cool. Cause you got to see Dave and you got to see Eddie and the band. And so you got to see him and it was cool. Dave was doing his jump and, uh, Eddie was looking cool and you know, all that was great. The guitar solo was cool, but once it was over and the dust settled, I was kind of like, yeah, keyboards, yeah, this is not Unchained, and this is not, you know, this. it just, it wasn't my Van Halen. Now, I wasn't, screw them, I'm never listening to them again. I was hopeful that the rest of the album would be typical Van Halen, uh, so I wasn't too concerned, but I was a little bit like eyebrow spiked up type situation <laughs> uh with this song you know and this was ranked number 10 for me because yeah it's fatigue but i just don't like this song that much i mean i'll be honest with you i think it's hooky and catchy and i get why people like it but i don't personally love it so uh that's why it's number 10 for me uh you can send your hate mail to growing up rock at gmail.com yep but uh, i like the pointer sisters jump better <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> jump. Jump for my love. Jump in. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> All right. Number eight from Van Halen 2, Beautiful Girls. Averaged out at 6.62. We both ranked it at number five. Nobody liked it as their favorite song out of these 10. 16 out of 100 ranked it at number 10. It didn't hit the rock charts. It did get to number 84 on the Billboard 100 originally named Bring On The Girls, and I just can't get out of my head that gay beer commercial thing on <laughs> SNL, right? Like Chris Farley pops in my head all the time when that happens. Brent had an interesting, because Brent Zias, he he gave us some uh, just some comments on the Dave songs because he's much more of a Dave guy than he is a Sammy guy. And I don't know if this is a shot at Dave, and I don't know if this is a compliment to Dave, but he says, beautiful girls. The birth of the cartoon character version of Dave that he would fully embody in his solo career. Is that a shot at Dave or is that a compliment to Dave? See, Brent's smarter than me, so I don't know. I don't think it's either. <laughs> I think it's a fair statement. So, yeah, this song does encompass, I sort of get what he's saying there. Uh, this song does sort of encompass that character of Dave. But here's what I would say about Beautiful Girls. Beautiful Girls, to me, encompasses the whole backyard barbecue California vibe of Van Halen. I mean, they're a California band. So that's what I get out of Beautiful Girls. You know, I love the riff. You know, I love the feel of the song. Got a drink in my hand, got my toes in the sand, and all I need is Beautiful Girl. Who doesn't love that? I mean, come on now. That's killer. So I, I like this song quite a bit, but I get exactly what Brent is saying. Yeah. Number seven, which I'm very surprised is number seven, honestly, from 1984, Hot for Teacher, and it averaged out at 6.04, so it was just a smidgen off of number six. I had it ranked at three. You had it ranked at two. There was two people out of 100 that said it was their favorite song. Six out of 100 said it was their least favorite out of these 10. Again, unbelievable. It only got to number 55 on the Billboard 100 because the video was on every 11 minutes. And it got to number 24 on the rock chart. And I'm like, righty, 
I cannot separate the video and the song. It is probably the best rock video ever made, and I'll never forget it. And I can watch it every day for the rest of my life, and I will still smile and still laugh. And yes, I like Sammy better than I like Dave. Now, Waldo, I hope you find some friends this year. Oh, Mom, mm. you know I'm not like other guys. I'm nervous and my socks are too loose. Sit down, Waldo. That doesn't have anything to do with it. And honestly, Sammy probably couldn't pull off the vaudeville piece of that whole kitschy video anyway. I'm really surprised that everybody went with what kind of feels like Dave leading the charge of what he wanted this video to look like. I, I think the other three guys just kind of went along, but it doesn't look like they went along begrudgingly anyway. No, I'm shocked that people rank this one so low compared to to what I really thought people would rank it at because I just thought it was a popular, popular song amongst Van Halen faithfuls. And I think maybe if, if anything, if I have to blame something, I'm going to go ahead and blame it on fatigue out of some of the other stuff because the stuff that's higher is probably less played than Hot for Teacher. Hot for Teacher is still played quite a bit today. And yeah, that video has got to be 98% Dave I, I just don't see the others uh, involved with it like uh, like Dave was for th that video. Yeah, yeah. Number six, some of the comments we heard about number six. One of the many great party songs, Ooh Baby Baby, great chorus. Uh, John Clark says song reminds me of the power of Michael Anthony's voice and his melodies that really helped Van Halen be who Van Halen is. Mm -hmm. And that's Dance the Night Away off of Van Halen 2. It Ranked at number six, it had an average score of exactly six. I ranked it eight, you ranked it three. Eight out of the hundred folks had it at their number one song. Twelve out of the hundred had it at their least favorite out of these ten. And it got to number 15 on the Billboard 100. Supposedly it was inspired by Go Your Own Way. It was Van Halen's first top 20 hit. Roth had said that he wrote this song in tribute to an intoxicated woman who was having sex in the back of a truck and ran with her pants on backwards while escaping police officers into the bar where there was a band playing. Okay, that's a very odd, <laughs> specific story. I'm assuming it's true, but knowing how Dave sometimes thinks and talks, yeah, no idea. He was probably involved in that story in some way, <laughs> shape, or form, if I had to guess right. I don't, oh, he was a firsthand witness. Yeah, or a participant. <laughs> Dance the Night Away, to me, is melodic, hard rock perfection. I mean, this song is just, it's so good. The melody is so good. The backgrounds are so good. The riff is great. The harmonic tapping that Eddie pulls into this song is unique at the time. And it's just, 
I just, I love this song. I listened to it again today to prepare for this, and I don't get tired of listening to this song. It's just such a great song to me, and I stand by my ranking of three on this one. I really dig Dance the Night Away. Great tune. So getting to the top five, our number five was from Women and Children First and The Cradle Will Rock. Brad said, had to represent my favorite Van Halen album, great title track, love this song the first time I heard it. The phase shifter electric piano at the beginning and throughout, along with Dave's backing vocals during the verses are so awesome. And then Righty said, have you seen Steven's grades? Yeah, probably straight Fs. Um, (laughs) It was the first keyboard Eddie Van Halen song. Eric played it along with a cover of You Really Got Me as part, Eric Carr, as part of his first audition tape for Kiss, uh, which obviously helped him get the job. I had it ranked at number seven. You had it ranked at number eight. Collectively, it was number five, six out of the hundred. 
loved it as their number one song, two out of the hundred hated it as their number 10 out of these 10. Not hated it, just disliked it compared to the other nine. And it got to number 55 on the Billboard 100. Honestly, one of the few songs I like on Women Children's First, like really, really like that would land on my playlist hands down because there's some stuff on Women and Children's First. I'm like, I listen to it. All right, that's enough. You know, it's good, but meh. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think I'm the opposite with Women and Children First. I think I have severe fatigue over the first two songs, Cradle Will Rock and Everybody Wants Some. But Cradle Will Rock, it's a good tune. I don't know if it's the best lead-off track in the world, but it's a good tune. Yeah. Number four is off the debut album, Running With The Devil. Average came out to 4.72. We both had it ranked at six. 12 out of the 100 ranked at number one. Four out of the 100 ranked at number 10, and it only got to number 84 on the Billboard 100. Second single off the debut album, I think possibly DLR's best vocal performance. This is where I go, okay, that's David singing. Oh! Oh, yes! Yeah, yeah! Hi-ya! I live my life like there's no tomorrow, and all I've got. I had a steal. Least I don't need to beg or borrow. Yes, I'm living at a pace that kills. Ooh, yeah. That's good for me. I can handle that, David. Like it's not it's not so weird sometimes when he's like talk singing. Like John Waite does that talk singing, like that talk singing thing sometimes kind of gets me. Now, George B. said something that I don't quite understand, so I'm thinking it's a Southern thing, so I'm going to ask you to explain it to me. He said, uh, Running With The Devil, bam, first songs off the first side of the first album. What a statement. Gives me chicken skin hearing it. I don't know what chicken skin is. Is that a Southern thing? No, it's the same as Goosebumps. Goosebumps and chicken skin are the same thing. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. You know what Goosebumps feels like for real, right? I mean, Yeah, that's not how chicken skin feels. Chicken skin feels that way as well. Fried chicken? Like KFC? No, raw chicken skin. Oh, who the hell's rubbing their fingers on raw chicken skin? Who the hell is rubbing their fingers on a Goosebumps? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Why the hell are we talking about chicken skin and Goosebumps? God damn it. I'll wait is another one where I'm like, all right, that's Dave singing. I, that's a real, that's good. That's right in Dave's wheelhouse. He's not trying to be too stupid with it. And he's still got the little yelps that really only he can do right. I haven't mm-hmm. really heard anybody else do that too good. But uh, yeah, I, I like this song. Yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, I like it quite a bit as well. I mean, it's a little fatigue for me, which is why it ended up at number six for me. But then again, I was listening to it today and I was like, God damn it. I love this song. <laughs> So again, it's all timing with me. And uh, at the time I was listening to this song and ranking them, I was like, ah, it's number six for me because it's a little fatigue. I hear this song a lot. Kind of that uh, slower mid-tempo groove, but what a great song. Yeah. I mean, because for a lot of people, think about it. This is the first song they heard from Van Halen. You know, if they didn't hear You Really Got Me, I guess was the first single that they had released, but for a lot of people who just went out and bought the album from this great California band they had heard so much about, this is it. Yeah, They dropped the needle on this. Okay, number three, as Brent said, contains Van Halen's most delicious guitar riffs 
is Panama from 1984. Average was 4.3. I ranked at number nine because I just said, uh, 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 like I, whatever. How the hell um, do you, you end up at number nine with this? Uh, yeah, is that fatigue? I'm at number nine. No, it's that, uh, 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 I, like I don't, to me, I'll wait is not even in the same league with jump in Panama. Now, some people could take that a different way. To me, I'll wait is so much better than those two other songs. And I'm not talking about Eddie. I'm just talking about as a total song. Are you high, boy? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's okay. Quit hitting the Panama yeah. red. 18 out of 100 people love Panama as their number one out of these 10. Two out of 100 said it was their last out of these 10. It got to number 13 on the Billboard 100, and it got to number two on the rock charts. And, uh, you know, you that whole uh, the Lamborghini in the studio and the car getting backed up story, I think it's an interesting story. I, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, okay, kind of like jump, right? And then the next 10,000 times, I'm like, really? Are we going to keep hearing the, uh, 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 it's like, really? That's, that's all you can do with this song? Like you can't come up with anything better than that? So that's my opinion. What the fuck is Sonny Pony? But that's part of the hook. <laughs> that's what makes it memorable to a lot of people. But I mean, to me, Panama is another one of those tunes it is fatigue for me right now, but it's another one of those tunes like Dance the Night Away that just is sort of that melodic, hard rock, pop perfection. Uh, you know, it's it's got the hard driving guitar riff, but it's melodic and, and poppy in so many ways and memorable. So I think that's why people really love it. But yeah, I, I like that tune. That ended up at what, number four for me. Yeah, yeah. Number two overall at a 4.26 average was Ain't Talking About Love from the debut album. I had it at number one. You had it at number seven. 16 out of 100 had it as their number one, and two out of 100 had it as their number 10, and it never charted. It was a third single from the debut album. What's interesting is, you know, Righty says it's hands down the best Van Halen song ever and one of the greatest hard rock songs of all time. John Clark said, you know, the opening guitar is an air guitarist wet dream. Larry Cusick said something interesting. He said local cover bands have completely ruined the song for him. And that's the hard part, right? If you're going to go take a classic song and you're going to go do it, if you're not going to do it completely different and try to do it similar yeah. to the original, good luck because you're not going to be able to do Dave or Eddie even close. So you're going to miss. And that's probably what's happening with these local cover bands. Oh, so many times I've heard this song done by cover bands where it's just something about it that's not quite right, whether it's the vocals or the guitar tone or just something that's just not right. And I agree with Steve Wright. It is probably one of the most classic hard rock tunes of all time. It's definitely fatigue for me. It's not I've got a lot of more Van Halen songs that I love, but when I was looking at this list and thinking about Ain't Talking About Love, it tipped me straight back to the first album. And when you look at that first album, how many songs on that first album are considered like some of Van Halen's all-time greatest songs? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Like, I mean, it's just filled with them. Ain't Talking About Love, Running With The Devil, Jamie's Crying, which I'm surprised Jamie's Crying wasn't a single. Uh, it might have been, but didn't make the list. I'm not sure. Actually. Yeah. So just so much stuff on there, but 
ain't talking about love. Yeah, I ranked it at number seven, but trust me when I say I'm a fan of this tune, just like probably 99% of all Van Halen fans. And then our number one song on this ranking, and I think Brad Rustovan said it best, epitomizes everything great about Van Halen. The riff, the backing vocals, the guitar solo, and the breakdown with Dave's spoken word, Unchained off a fair warning, came in at a 3.48, so it was a solid number one. It was number two for me, it was number one for you. 32 out of 100 people said it was their number one song which was higher than the 26 out of 100 that said Dreams was their number one song. Yeah, Six out of 100 had it at their number 10 song, so there's always those six. It did not hit the Billboard 100. It got to number 13 on the rock charts. And technically, it was only released in Europe and Japan as a single, right? Uh, so some of this, you know, the payola thing comes in. You hear about that a little bit, and Fair Warning had a little bit of a hint of that. Uh-huh. And uh, that, you know, that helped the song along. I think it's a great song. I just like Ain't Talking About Love a little bit better, but uh, there's no doubt that people love Unchained.
Yeah, to quote my friend over there at Cobras and Fire, Baco, Unchained is definitely a meathead song. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'll explain a little bit what he's talking about, which is he's talking about those songs where, you know, it's frat boy rock. People are going to bang their head and uh, raise their fist and slosh their beer all over you in a bar. <laughs> and this is a song that's going to do it. Unchained is, I mean, there's nothing bad about this song. It's so freaking good from the opening guitar riff to the Dave breakdown and the background vocals and everything. It's just, I love, love, love this song. The detuning, who knows? Maybe this was the forefront of what became Alice in Chains and some of these other bands that decided, hey, we can tune it down to D and it sounds really chunkier, right? So I don't know, but yeah, this song is just so damn good. Love it. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So fast forward to 1985, David Lee Roth goes solo. Now you're probably wondering, like, what has all this got to do with Kiss? Well, sometimes it's not six degrees of separation. Sometimes it's just a separation or two. So DLR goes solo in 85, and Greg Bissonette has Vinnie Vincent to thank for getting the gig. Bissonette told Rolling Stone that he was auditioning for a spot in Vinnie Vincent Invasion, but Vinnie already had decided on Bobby Rock. Vinnie says to him, I enjoyed jamming with you. You'd be great for Dave Roth. Greg says, isn't Dave Lee Roth and Van Halen? So Greg goes to audition where there's a huge line down the block, supposedly, notices Matt Sorum leaving the audition, who realizes that the gig required two bass drums and that wasn't for Matt Sorum. At the audition... Stephen, Billy, and Greg jammed to what would later become the song we're going to play, and a few days later, they play it in front of David, and then a while later, play in front of Ted Templeman, and DLR has his band. Vi was impressed that Greg was one of the few drummers of the day that could actually read and write music. There's also a rumor that DLR and Greg later showed up to Vinny's house with a platinum award as a thank you for hooking them up, and that song they were playing that day was Hot Dog and a Shake. Here you go.
So it's funny. It was a song that didn't even make the first record. That's right. <laughs> That's an interesting story. I got to say, I've never heard that story. And, you know, Dave and uh, Greg Bissonette's relationship must have been pretty decent because Matt Bissonette ended up playing keyboards in his band, right? That's right. Yeah. So uh, that's cool. I dig that. I like that song, Hot Dog and a Shake. It's fun. Yeah. It's what you're hungry for. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who's not hungry for a hot dog and a shake? I want to know why it's not a burger and a shake. How did it end up being a hot dog and a shake? Dave likes phallic uh, things, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It just looks better in the videos, right? Yeah, there you go. You're lucky he wasn't talking about tacos and a shake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so a a nice episode. It's always fun to get everybody involved because everybody's kind of got a little different thought, right? Like you would think, you know, you think 32 out of 100 people is a lot of people to take the same song number one. But 68 others didn't, mm-hmm. and they only had the 10 to choose from. So even within a community that loves Eddie, that loves David, that loves Sammy, whatever, wherever your love and your your loyalties lie, there's still within the songs, it's like, eh, I think I like that better than that, and I think I like that better than that, and I'm kind of burnt out on that, and I never hear that, and I hate ballads, but Stephen's stupid, and you know, there's all these other things. <laughs> wait a minute i'm stupid (laughs) where'd that come from that got thrown in out of the blue (laughs) jesus christ i like van halen how stupid can i be (laughs) i don't know i've met you several times i know how stupid you can be yeah that's usually after a hot dog and a shake and a glass of red wine (laughs) (laughs) This has been fun. I hope if one thing comes out of uh, Eddie's passing is that not only all of us that were Van Halen fans before going back and getting in touch with some of the music of our uh, youth, but maybe turning on some younger kids that, you know, are seeing it on the news or reading it in a magazine or on social media and, and going and checking out what all the talk is about. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally get it. And, you know, it's just like you said, it gives us an opportunity to go back and have a reason to listen to all the songs and uh, remember some stuff. I'll tell you some of the Dave stuff I've listened to over the last maybe three or four weeks now. I hadn't heard some of that in a long time. Mm -hmm. Romeo's Delight, I can't tell you when was the last time I heard that song. A Sinner Swing, it's possible I've only heard that song one time my whole life till like the other week. Because I just don't really go back to a lot of the Dave stuff, Mm -hmm. except for probably the singles. I like Take Your Whiskey Home also. And then when somebody does a cover of one of the Dave era songs, then I go, oh, wait, let me go listen to it again. But my loyalty lies with Sammy. That's okay. And it's not a loyalty thing. It's just a like thing. I just, I like Sammy's voice better. Mm -hmm. And normally when I'm listening to in the car, I'm not playing air guitar. I'm trying to sing with Sammy. I can't sing with Sammy either. But, uh, you know, I got to keep both hands on the wheels. I can't be like playing air guitar. Yeah, I've been going back and listening to some of the, I guess, not so, I don't know how to say it, the albums that I didn't listen to as much when I was in the thick of it all. So for whatever reason, I've listened to Diver Down a lot, probably because people kind of give that record a bad rap. So I've listened to that record quite a few times from front to back recently. I listened to Balance because Balance had gotten such a bad rap and I wanted to listen to that record to hear everything. And what else did I listen to? I listened to the Fuck record. 
I think that's it most recently. I mean, I've listened to other stuff, but uh, those are records where I, I went front to back to listen to everything just because I hadn't done it in so long. And uh, it was fun for me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I want to thank everybody for filling out the survey. I know it takes time and uh, I appreciate you giving us your time and I appreciate you listening. Yeah, great job on this once again. Uh, I do enjoy doing these types of episodes. I think it's fun. I like when we get all the listeners involved. That's a great time as well. Next week's going to be fun as well. We're going to do <laughs> we're going to do a grown-up rock game show Van Halen edition next week and then like I said earlier in the episode at the end of December we'll do our top 10 deep Van Halen cuts with a few rules in place uh, so that you don't end up with all Sammy and I don't end up with all Dave (laughs) in the making. Uh, So that'll be fun as well. But thanks again for everybody listening. We appreciate each and every one of you guys. We hope you're enjoying this trip down the Van Halen road with us till next week. See ya later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle and roll. Play us out boys. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 